This is Burn This Book, a banned books book club where we, Nicole and Eden, read a banned or challenged book twice a month and discuss its meaning, impact, and censorship to make it more accessible for all readers. This week's book is Mouse by Art Spiegelman, which was serialized from 1980 to 1991. Joining us today is Amy Nilsson calling in from Florida. Amy, tell us about yourself and your connection to the book. Hi. Well, first off, I just want to say what huge fans I am of your podcast. So it's a much needed uh, conversation. My, my connection with this book is, well, I was a librarian for 20 years, first of all. And so I saw firsthand the impact of books on kids and how important it is that they have access to to stories and that they can learn from the past and all of that. And I experienced a few banned book are book challenges over my 20 years, two, I think over 20 years, which uh-huh. we've had more in the last, uh, I think, 2020, they were like more than there has been in the entire history of the ALA collecting banned book data. So mm-hmm. it became a very important platform for me um, to start talking about the, the dangers of banning books. And I actually am lead anthologist for an anthology that you ladies so nicely advertised for me called Uncensored Inc., a banned book-inspired anthology, and that will be out in October of next year during Banned Book Month. We're really excited about that. But the reason why I picked uh, Mouse to talk about is, again, with what's happening in our climate across our country with the rise in banned books, but also my two daughters and I were in Washington, D.C. in September. And one of the things we did was tour the Holocaust Museum. And it it really stunned me that one of the first things the Nazis did was pull books from schools. And so then when I reached out to you guys and I saw that book was on your list, I, I just felt a connection that I wanted. I had never read it and I wanted to explore that and kind of because it's like a full circle moment, mm-hmm. you know, because this book is now being banned. So mm-hmm. that, that's kind of why I why I chose that one. Um, and I'm really glad I did. I'm, I'm really glad that I read it. So thank you again for having me. Oh, thank you so much for coming. Seriously, we're so excited. And your anthology sounds so amazing. Mm-hmm. We are, yeah, I don't know. I'll let Eden say some things too, because I'm just going to keep gushing about you, Amy. Oh, yeah. I was <laughs> yeah. just going to say, like, we're, uh, this is our first guest where we've not actually known you before, prior to recording or mm-hmm. talking to each other. And um, it's pretty exciting to just, well, yeah. A few months ago, I just started Googling. I wanted to find out as much as I could about what, what people are doing to highlight and address the issue of banned books. And those are the people that I want to partner with because I think we have an important role. And what you're doing is is just fantastic. So as a oh. former librarian and a current advocate oh. for intellectual freedom. The fact that you brought up the li- being a librarian and you only experienced two challenges or bans during your time and then over the last 20 year. years. Yeah, in mm-hmm. 20 years. Do you, what mm-hmm. books were they out of curiosity? Sure. Do you remember? Um, the first one was Harry Potter. So oh. my <laughs> daughter, <Classic. laughs> m- yep, my oldest daughter was nine years old when she first read it. It was right when it just came from the UK. So I can't remember the year off the top of my head. I did have yeah, that okay. data. But it, she read it that summer and she's like, mom, I really want to do a display case in your library. But of course, you Aww. couldn't go to any store and buy a switch or an owl, a Harry Potter owl or a wand or anything. No. So we went to thrift stores and she made all this memorabilia. <gasps> and we Cute. made this huge display case and put, I think the two, first two books kind of came to the US at the same time, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. because the first one had been out already in the UK. So. We had it all set up, and within the first week of school, I had some mamas in my library saying they didn't want their kids reading about that witchcraft. And so, but back then, there was a, a procedure that fam- that we had to follow. I already had a challenge materials committee set up ahead of time. Mm-hmm. I had to do that every year as a librarian. I had to include teachers, students, um, family members, community members, you know, um, Anyway, so the challenge material, whoever was challenging the book too, had to read the full book. Well, that ended most of them because they didn't want to read Harry Potter. But I'm explaining <laughs> to them like every every Disney movie has a witch, you know. But yeah. in, but in those movies, the witches are villains. But in this one, we're saying that they're the good guys. So that was kind of part of the problem. But that fizzled away because the books became so popular and got kids reading. And then the second one 
that was the one I had at an elementary school for, I was there for 10 years. I had one at a middle school and I was there for 10 years. And that was A Child Called It by Dave Pelser, which it is a book about a true story about his suffering of abuse at the hands of his mother. But then Mm. he grew up and he went on to become a motivational speaker. And guess what? Real kids have bad things that happen to them, you know? (laughs) And so to be able to see somebody going through something and coming out on the other side, okay, it's inspirational. And even if you haven't gone through that, you know, to, to read a story of someone really dealing with just some, a horrific childhood and then using that to help other people, that book did get banned in my entire county. So oh, wow. that was the only one that ever actually happened. So, mm-hmm. but now, like we've said, we're seeing it, you know, just the numbers are insane. And you're calling in from Florida where Maxwell Frost actually just introduced a new bill or legislation today, or was it yesterday? The proposal is to reimburse uh, school districts where they're fighting book bans because it costs so much money Mm -hmm. to like so many people's time, so much, so much time, so much money to review these books um, that parents are just like willy nilly trying to challenge and ban and remove from shelves. And so he is proposing that those school districts be reimbursed because that's a whole like a Mm -hmm. it could be up like a whole teacher's salary could be spent reviewing a book that right and at my son's school he's no longer there because he's on the autism spectrum and it just wasn't working out at the beginning of the year but he's in third grade and he's not a special ed school that is free to do whatever they want thankfully but Mm -hmm. the public school the teachers had to give a list of every book they were going to read for the entire year to parents before the first day of school so parents could scratch out any book that they didn't want their children to read or have read to them. And then imagine the work for that teacher every time she reads that book, then she has mm-hmm. to go through and check who can't hear it. And then where do those kids go? And then what about the Scholastic Book Fair and the, the new book from Mo Willems or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just, that's what we're dealing with in Florida. It's, it's horrible. And I think um, a lot of people in regard to something else... A lot of people have, not a lot, just a couple, like, honestly, on I could count on one hand, have reached out to me and been like, why are you supportive of this? And one person was like, it's so extreme to compare book banning to fascism or to the early steps of a dictatorship. And A, I've never said that on, (laughs) I've never been like, this is fascism. I'm, I'm slow on that movement, but I am fast on the idea that yes, we have seen in history this pattern that at mm-hmm. the beginning when something, when a community becomes extremist, they get rid of all of the information that opposes anything that they mm-hmm. don't like. So we've seen those patterns. And I love that Amy brought that up, that specifically in Germany, that was such a big part of the radicalization of the community was to burn the books, burn the religious artifacts of the Jewish communities, of a lot of the different communities as well, and to just burn any information that would counter what Hitler was trying to teach the propaganda. And so Mm -hmm. when we're afraid of information, we need to check ourselves, I think. And I think it's okay to have that conversation and to liken that history. Um, well, well, in a yeah, book like a book like Mouse, being a graphic novel, I, I think makes this kind of history, which is important for our kids to know, accessible. My son yes. saw this book sitting on the table, and actually, when I was reading this, I was at the pool. It's still hot here in Florida, and I put a different. <laughs> okay. I put a, I put put a different cover over it because I didn't want anyone to see me reading the book by the cover, you know, because they wouldn't know what it was um, because most people are not well read around here. It's also a giant swastika in the center. We don't want you to present yourself like a (laughs) neo-Nazi. So my my eight-year-old autistic son saw this book sitting on the table and he comes over and he looks at it and he says, mom, why are you reading that book? It looks like it's a bad book. And I said, it's not a bad book. I said, it's about bad things, bad things that really happened in a war mm-hmm. a long time ago. And I said, and it's important that one day I'll teach you about that because we need to know the mistakes of the past so we don't mm-hmm. make those mistakes in our future or that we're the ones that are electing the people that will stop these sorts of things from happening. So, and it was just a really brief conversation because it's not age appropriate yet, Yeah, but I wanted him to know there are bad, there, it's okay to read about bad things that happened. 
matter of fact, we should read about bad things that happened. Yes. So. Yeah. And we're, I think um, Nicole and I might be part of the beginning of the last generation to hear from surviving Holocaust victims. Mm-hmm. I remember school assemblies. I yeah. don't know if you had that, Nicole, I where did. there were survivors of the Holocaust who came to talk to us. Mm-hmm. And we, yeah, we had the, the benefit of that firsthand account. Nicole, like you were talking about earlier, how you weren't a, an expert in the Holocaust. I, w- I would say that Art Spiegelman himself is not an expert on the Holocaust either. Mm. This is like very much a story of a father and a son connecting over a father's story, which happens to be the Holocaust. Yeah. And like, what, like how amazing that we have this... Is this considered a first-hand account? Not really, because it's it's a second-hand, right? Because it's Art talking to his father. First-hand would be so. if, like, first-hand would be Anne Frank. Yeah. Like how special it is that we've had this documented mm-hmm. in our history. I have been researching him a little bit over the past couple of weeks, as I'm sure you two have as well. Mm-hmm. And I watched an interview that he did in 1992, which was the year that he got the Pulitzer Prize. And then an interview that he did like recently talking about the book being banned. And just like, you know, in 1992, it was like a Pulitzer Prize. Mm -hmm. And then now this book can't be read in the States. (laughs) It's, it's, and and he's like, it was just, it it was, it baffles me. It absolutely baffles me. And I think I have um, in Tennessee where it was banned, the school board meeting the reason they said it was banned was because it features some foul language and nudity, at which there's six oh. curse words, six in the entire book. Yeah. You know, how many curse words do you think teenagers hear on a, a Netflix series? Probably more than teenagers six. Teenagers are saying yeah. to each <laughs> yeah. other in quite whispers. And then the, the, the nudity, you can't even really... It's it's his mother when she commits suicide. It's it's a mm. very sad, sad thing that happened. It's that, that just broke my heart. Um, but you can't even really. There's not. You can't see anything. You know. Mm-hmm. He goes. It's not that. That's what they said. But that's that's not why. No. You know. That's not why. Yeah. I watched that same video. Um, and. Yeah, I took a screenshot of the quote from the, uh, I'm going to call him out here, Tony Allman, uh, McMinn County School Board member. Oh, yeah, I have the same one. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he says, this is what he says, quote, it shows people hanging, it shows them killing kids. Why does the educational system promote this kind of stuff? It's not wise or healthy. Being in the schools, educators and stuff, we don't need to enable or somewhat promote this stuff. Certainly not like promoting it. It's we're, not promoting it. And it's yeah. called history. It's called history. It's, it's not real exactly. things that really happened. You know, and um, we should and again. we should read it and we should be horrified. We That's should the be. purpose, you know? I mean, history shouldn't be just rainbows and unicorns because that's not. That's not how you no. learn and Mm-mm. you know. Yeah. And Art Spiegelman had some really good burns in the in this interview. What did he say? Because, like, regarding the nudity, and then in Mouse 2, there is nudity where they're in the gas chambers, but that's yeah, in the gas chambers, it's right? It's bodies, yeah. It's bodies. Um, what and he again, said it really is, happened. And it really mm-hmm. happened. And Art said, you'd have to really want to get your sexual kicks by projecting on them. And it seems like a crazy place to get them. Yep. <laughs> I heard him say that. Yep. <laughs> He's a, a riot. Line. Yeah, that's well. He he writes graphic novels. Yeah, he he was cracking me up when he's like, "I didn't write this to teach a lesson. It was just a conversation with my dad." Yeah, you know. Yeah, and and uh, how about the the dad with a second wife? Oh my gosh, so sad. So that whole relationship, I was like, up. Oh, it was like looking at my dad and his father. My my grandfather is ninety nine, and he. He served in the war. He's like one of the last, you know, mm-hmm. the last of the group to serve in World War II. So nothing with the Holocaust, but it's just a similar dynamic of just like 
constantly like they get have like a tender moment and then somehow something is wrong and they just like my grandpa just latches onto it and I just saw that it was so I don't know that the greatest generation with their child (laughs) growing up trying to figure out this new world and the sacrifices they made and it was just like the way that they wrote that relationship and oh my gosh the dad Vladek his he gets remarried to this woman named Mala and he just hates her. Yeah, he's so, <laughs> he's so, so She hates on her. him, he too. Just, yeah, yeah, but they just complain about each other, and they're just so grumpy with each other. It is so – everyone at the assisted living center that I go visit my grandpa at, it is all <laughs> – Well, it brings a little bit, I think. so mad even at though each other. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it brings a little bit of comic relief to some very intense, yes. serious content. Mm-hmm, yes. Um, and, and it yes. also, I think, it brings a human side to it because yeah. you respect Vladik so much when he's going through all this as a young man and trying to save his wife that he loves so much and just mm-hmm. all the things that he does. And, 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 and then now seeing him as like this, you know, crotchety old man, <laughs> like, uh-huh. you know, it's, it's just a, it's an interesting um, <laughs> different personality that he has. Yes. So and yeah. the, and, the, 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 and with his son too, and it is great that they were able to connect over over these stories that are you know important to to keep alive. Yeah, uh-huh. we should do a real quick. We should do just a quick summary of Mouse. <laughs> um, yes, we should. Yes, Eden, would you mind uh, doing that? Oh yeah, I could do that. So Mouse is divided into two books, serialized from. Uh, Nicole said this earlier, 1980 to 91. And then the first one is about the Nazis slowly taking over Poland, where Vladek is from. And it it cuts between Vladek's story in the past and Art and Vladek talking about it in the present uh, at the time. The first book is, is a slow burn. They're not at Auschwitz yet. Mm-mm. It's a slow burn of like just watching this dictatorship, one party system, fascism taking over their part of the world. And you see like the amount of fear that is just in their everyday lives. It's about Vladik, Vladik's early days as a, a young man. And then book two is about them actually entering Auschwitz and mm-hmm. uh, surviving Auschwitz. And we noted that all the characters are drawn. So it is a graphic yes. novel and it is one of the first graphic novels. It's kind of the book that made graphic novels popular. And mm-hmm. all of the characters are drawn as different animals. So all of the Jews are mice. And he uses that um, example and takes it from a quote by Hitler about Mickey Mouse. <laughs> Was it about from Hitler? It's at the beginning of Mouse, though. We're going to find it real quick. Um, but there's a well, I think it, it may be this one. The Jews are undoubtedly a race, but they are not human. That Oh, yeah. Okay, so that was mm-hmm. the Hitler quote. This yeah. quote is, I was totally wrong. It's just from a newspaper article in Germany in the mid-1930s. And it says, Mickey Mouse is the most I- miserable ideal ever revealed. Healthy emotions tell every independent young man and every honorable youth that the dirty and filth-covered vermin, the greatest bacteria carrier in the animal kingdom, cannot be the ideal type of animal. Away with Jewish brutalization of the people, down with Mickey Mouse, where the swastika cross. So um, so art is kind of flipping that on its head by making mm-hmm. all of the Jews mice then. And, um, and so each different character, and eventually in the second book, he has a French wife. And he's like, do I make you a frog? And she's like, no, I'm also a mouse because I married you and I converted to Judaism. <laughs> so like they have that conversation of how he should draw her. but um, And so you'll see like just the... The other Poles who are not Jewish, they are, are they pigs? Pigs? They're pigs. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the Nazis. The Nazis are cats. Cats. He was really grateful that the movie Five Folk, An American Tale came out after his book was published. But he <laughs> believes but he believes that it was inspired by his book because in that same book, the Mouskowitz are all mice, obviously. And the evil antagonists are all cats. So they also Such use that movie. same exact. Oh my gosh! Can we return to that era of Disney? I know. Um, yeah, it's so good. But 
Yeah. So that's, so that's kind of how it plays. So you're not even seeing human bodies. That's the other thing about that van is you're not even seeing human bodies. So it's like, if you're going to go hunting, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. There's a lot of issues with that argument is that these are still animals in this book. So I don't know, but, um, but it's very palatable and, Mm -hmm. um, it's a quick read, honestly. Mm -hmm. He's very economical with his word choice. Yes. Yeah. And yes. in a brilliant way, as most graphic, you know, artist, graphic novelists are. Yeah. Um, I remember when graphic novels began to really pick up because I was teaching at the time or librarian yeah. at the time. I, I also taught, I taught TV production, but I was the librarian and TV production teacher. Yeah. And so graphic novels really were able to help a lot of reluctant readers read and Mm -hmm. learn. I mean, how many kids would pick up a history book about World War II over Mm -hmm. a graphic novel they could read in an afternoon? Um, But graphic novels really started picking up and I started purchasing a lot for my library and really reaching some of those reluctant readers or readers that maybe weren't really reluctant readers. Maybe they had reading challenges, you Mm -hmm. know, and and too much text on a page was just too hard. Like, so anyway, and I had to really defend that to teachers or yeah, to teachers, classroom teachers, because they'd bring their students in. You must get a real book, <laughs> not, you know, I'm like, well, first off, this is my library. Yeah. And I allow children to check yeah. out whatever they choose here in yeah. this space. This is yeah. one of the only spaces on the campus that they have choice. Yeah. And so I, I had to, and then I had to pull some, you know, statistics and some, research yeah. about graphic novels and put it, give it to them. But I, I wouldn't let a teacher come in and, and not allow a kid yeah. to check out a graphic novel. And I had this in my middle school library. Mm-hmm. I never read it at the time, but I yeah. had it in my middle school library, both of them. It's, so it's such an interesting medium to me mm-hmm. because I never really read a graphic novel before this. And it doesn't mean that it's just going to be completely left to right, left to right, left to right, up and up. You know, that he goes into different things at times. So you have to, you have to be present while reading in mm-hmm. order to follow exactly where he's going to go on that page because the image kind of is king. And so, and then mm-hmm. the words follow. So it, it's a different skill set, but it was a different way of reading that really, like, it was a cool exercise because I had to be so in the book to follow yeah. it perfectly. Yeah. And I loved that. Cause I'm just so mm-hmm. used to like kind of skimming sometimes. Then mm-hmm. yeah. But you can't do that with this. No. And it's, yeah. You don't really want to. No. You know, you, you want to kind of keep staying in the story. I think I read it in two sittings maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, just because it was that immersive. Um, yeah. And even going back and forth, sometimes dual timelines and stories, I'm not often a huge fan of because mm-hmm what i i will often do because i'm a, i'm also an author i'm a literary agent i'm yeah. very immersed in the literary world but a lot of times what i'll do when i'm reading a dual timeline is i'll get so invested in one timeline that i'll just okay i'm just going to read all the odd chapters until these <laughs> timelines you know mesh and i've done that for many books or if it's dual pov sometimes yeah. i'll just read you know mm-hmm. So funny. I've never heard of anyone doing that, but it's brilliant. It's really um, something else that I really liked about this medium is that Art Spiegelman explained that he loved having his father's tapes. And this was in an NPR piece written in 2022 that, and I'll link it. Of course, he loved having his father's story on tapes and transcripts. Um, but eventually the, he said, the parts that are in the book are now in neat little boxes, you know. I know what happened by having assimilated it that fully. So he was kind of explaining, like, it helped him process because mm-hmm. he was able to put the trauma in those tiny boxes. Um, because as we know, and over the last few years, there have been such a better education about intergenerational trauma, what we inherit, how our families function, who have gone through major trauma and how their PTSD impacts those around them. Um, and this book really goes into that because art kind of explains that he felt he had survivor's guilt at times. He Mm -hmm. resented his brother who died during the Holocaust because he was never going to be perfect like him because he complained and he yelled and he had tantrums. Whereas his brother was just the silent picture who was the perfect son. 
and mm-hmm. he will never understand all the sacrifice that his dad made. And also this is like the sixties and seventies and art was trying to like, was kind of doing the hippie thing, doing art stuff, art mm-hmm. stuff. He was an <laughs> artist. He went to school for art. He dropped out of school. He did a lot of LSD. His dad was just so frustrated. And after he did his LSD, his mother died by suicide. So then he blamed himself for that. And then he went to the asylum. So you have this whole thing of like, never being enough for these parents who survived this whole thing only to Mm -hmm. end up with you. And he is trying to cope with that. And the second book gets more into that. But the first book you get, you really learn the dynamic between him and his dad. You can tell Mm -hmm. his dad loves him, but his dad just genuinely doesn't know how to deal with people. Mm -hmm. And that's his aging process as well as the trauma. But he's just, he just doesn't know how to show that love to art. Like at one point he throws art's jacket away because he thinks it's ugly. (laughs) <laughs> and he gives art a different jacket. He's like, this is nicer. And you know that the dad's intention was like, I want my son to look fresh, like to look yeah. sharp. And <laughs> fresh. He, I don't want him, yeah, look fresh. <laughs> but I don't want him to be like a hippie kid. But art just was saw as such like an assault on his self, on his selfhood, and was just like grumpy. And so you just see that dynamic while they're trying to talk about the Holocaust. It is a wild mm-hmm. choice, mm-hmm. but it was so good. It's uh, such a great, yeah, they're such great books. Just, it's not just world history. It's a, a personal history too. Of it's just, family. It's family. Yeah, it's family. And all family has challenges. And so I was, when you were talking to Cole about their relationship, it was kind of making me think of a relationship of, with one of my parents mm-hmm. that had a lot of trauma and that trauma bled into our family mm-hmm. and caused me some trauma. And now my parents are in their 70s. And so they're not those people anymore. And so now I want that relationship kind of like how he did with his father. Mm -hmm. And even though you don't want to ignore the past and what happened, but can we come to a new place before I don't have access to you anymore? Yes. And I kind of felt like Art was really, he was at that point in his life where despite how he felt growing up with his dad and they weren't that close. His dad was at a point in his life where he wanted to have that access to him Mm -hmm. and that piece of him, even though it did come with some trauma. And I think he captured that beautifully in this. It's it's almost like a love letter to his dad. You know, Um, I, I kind of felt that way. I just got goosebumps saying that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I felt that way, and I don't even think Art realized that it was because he mm-hmm. still was so visibly critical of his dad. And mm-hmm. the second book, he brings in his wife Francois, and she kind of plays that outside voice of like, "Your dad's gone through a lot, maybe." Mm-hmm. We should. But then she still gets frustrated with him. This is kind of a funny story. So my grandmother passed away twenty years ago, maybe. 15. It's been a while. Mm -hmm. Um, She and I were very close. And so when she found out that she was had cancer, and it was terminal, she called me and she said, I'd like for you to deliver my eulogy. And, Mm -hmm. and I said, Okay. And she said, I'd like you to write it before I die so I can read it. (laughs) And I'm like, that is so Ruth Wiggins. So I did it. But you know, who doesn't want to hear all the nice things people are going to say about you before? Mm-hmm. Yeah, do that mm-hmm. funeral. Yeah. yeah. So I wrote it for her and gave it to her and she gave me the stamp of approval. And then come a few months later and she's passed and I'm there at the funeral home delivering the eulogy. And afterwards, her kids come up to me and they're like, who was that about? <laughs> So, and it was kind of a little bit of a, of a, of a lighthearted moment because she was tough on her kids and there were some strange relationships in that family, but Mm -hmm. she was always so good to me. So good to me. And you know, that, that was, I I kind of enjoyed telling that story because that's, that's in all families, right? That's family. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have a different relationship with my grandparents than my dad and his brother have with their parents for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have mm-hmm. a different relationship with my mom than my eldest sibling has with my mom. Because uh, mm-hmm. she was a different person when she had me. She'd grown up a lot. And I wonder <laughs> with art, like, I don't know, he plays. So they gave this, um, there's been a critique 
against art about how he portrays his father, that he kind of portrays his father as a miserly old Jew. And it fits into that um, stereotype. stereotype. Yeah. And art's response, and I'm sure you guys all saw this. Art's response was, well, my dad was really tight with money as he got older. And yes, that was just mm-hmm. part of who he was. It has nothing to do with him being Jewish, but also that's who he was. He wasn't a caricature. He just was who mm-hmm. he was. And if I was going to pretend like he wasn't, that way, then what What am I doing? Like, he, yeah. he didn't survive because he was better than other people. He didn't survive because he was perfect, because he was a lovely person, because he was so charitable. He survived because he was lucky. Yep. And that's the horror mm-hmm. of the Holocaust, you know? Yep. like it's, it, it amazed me that they both made it out. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't believe that his mother made it out. That mm-hmm. was where I was like, oh, my gosh. But even, like, like uh, I'm trying to remember the numbers here. He has a family tree at the at the end yes. of of the second probably the second one, but it went from like eighty five people to twenty ish. It was at the yeah, end I... of. It's a box, so I, I got the box set, and there's like a oh, little okay. zine inside. Okay, we don't have that. Got the box set. <laughs> okay, tell us about the zine. But take a look at this. So this is the family before the Holocaust. A ton of real, like, filled-in boxes. Mm-hmm. The grayed-out ones, they died before, prior to the Holocaust. And then here Oh, my is, gosh. Like, not even... I think that's, like, ten. One, two, three. Mm-hmm. I'll have to... We'll have to figure out how to show this to our listeners. Yeah. But it's, it's a lot of empty boxes. Oh, uh, and, and I think, like... It's just so important. I just got chills from that. That's horrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, so get the box set, you guys. <laughs> well, I definitely want to read the second one now that I read the first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 100%. I think um, a lot of people like try to read meaning into surviving. Mm-hmm. Um, like what, what you guys were just talking about, how it, it really was just luck. Yeah. Um, and some, yeah. Like, sure, go somewhere there, but. did clever things, and sure, he was assertive, and he spoke English, which saved him in a lot of situations, but bottom line, like, even in all those situations, he could have been shot each time. Like, mm-hmm. it didn't really, nothing was going to be good enough, because this was genocide, and so, mm-hmm. like, just nothing was going to be good enough to save you. I was so, yeah. really struck hard at the times that I saw the places these people had to hide. Yes. Oh, goodness, yes. That was done so well in the book. And how scared his wife was when he would leave. I mean, she she would be like in a cellar with no food for days Mm -hmm. with rats. and But he had to go to find food. Mm -hmm. It's a love story, too. You know, it really is. is. They loved each other. Yeah. It was a their romance was beautiful w- mm-hmm. within the horror of that backdrop. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it was also funny how they courted. How <laughs> even then there were moments where Vladik was like, "She wasn't even that good looking, but she could talk real well." I just wanted to talk to her all the time. Like he'd constantly still give that little dig, no matter yeah. what. Like he could. It was just. And you could see Art just like pulling his hair out and just being like, are you serious? But still, there's so much romance. But the more consistent he was with that character, you really mm-hmm. did. I really felt so much love for Vladek and so much mm-hmm. compassion for him. And mm-hmm. yeah, I thought, yeah, it is a love story. It's a love story between Art and his dad and between mm-hmm. Art and his his late wife. Mm-hmm. I mean, not Art, uh, Vladek and his late wife. And Vladek is the oh, reason why um, uh, Art got into comics because um kind of going to pinch and pennies um in his later Buying years what was that something used ones mm-hmm. for him yep yep he bought like two for ones comic books for him it, you know just like oh i can get one of these new ones for 10 cents or i could get two to three for 10 cents i'll do two to three so he had a plethora of comics in his household, just reading and consuming. That's so cute. I didn't it see is. that. That's so cute. Oh my gosh. So Amy, you keep bringing up love in this, about this book. Um, what other themes did you guys like really feel when you were reading it that 
Because I'm thinking in the mind of like an, a high schooler, why do I want a high schooler to read this book? Um, I think the complicated relationship with the father is an obvious mm-hmm. <laughs> one. It's like, you're going to have complicated relationships. Those are normal. It doesn't mean you don't love each other. Well, and also I, I think dealing with aging parents, yeah. you know, or aging grandparents for a child, I'm in my 50s. And so most of my friends, that's what we're dealing with right now yeah. is, you know, our aging parents. And how do we hold on to some of those memories before it's too late? So my father, my young adult novel debuts in May of next year, (gasps) and it takes place in uh, Central Florida. And my father's from Southern Mississippi, so he made gumbo all the time, us growing (laughs) up as kids. And in my novel, gumbo is on the page a lot. It's my main character's favorite food that her dad Mm -hmm. makes. And so I had never written down my dad's recipe or even ever tried to make it in all these years. And so that's a part of my dad. I don't want to ever lose. Kind of like Art wanted to know his dad's story before it was too late for him to hear it and and to have it tangible. So I called my dad one day and I'm like, dad, can I record a phone call of you telling me how to make your gumbo? Because he didn't want to write it all out. And he said, sure. And so I called him and, and I'm recording it and he is cracking me up as he's telling me how to make this gumbo. You know, things like uh, chop the peppers and the, and the okra and the, all the vegetables first and chop the onion last just so your eyes won't burn as long. You know, just things like that, just cracking me up. And, and I have that recording and then I, I transcribed it. And I said that at the top, like, this is the gumbo that Angela eats on her birthday. This is the gumbo she eats the night of her baby shower. This Mm -hmm. is the gumbo she eats, blah, 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 blah. And then here's, you know, the real Angela, who's me. The the Mm -hmm. book is a fictionalized version of my life. But then I I transcribed exactly how he said it. And so I know I'm so glad that I have that. It is bonus material. It's actually on my website already. I already put it up. But um it'll be bonus material for the book because hopefully people will want to have gumbo after they finish it. Mm -hmm. But that, that I wanted that piece of my dad and I have that recording phone conversation too, that I hopefully will always have, you know, it's just those memories matter. They really, really do. And regardless again of of the past trauma, those are your parents, you know, there's something you can learn from them. Even if it's not, a life lesson, maybe it's something that you, this is what you don't want to do with your life, you know, yeah. but there's always something we can learn from people that have gone before us. Oh, for sure. I'm so excited about that book. I want to read that, May. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. That's very exciting. I like anything that has to do with gumbo. Anything that's food oriented. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Anytime we cross the mediums and we bring food in, I get very excited. Um, for sure. Marianne Hirsch. Um, when I believe she's also a writer, she explained Spiegelman's life. And I think this touches on what you were talking about, Amy, as being dominated by memories that are, that are not his own. Mm-hmm. And she talks about how a lot of the children, the relationship between children of survivors with the survivors themselves, that the ch- these, children's do not, these children do not have their parents' experiences, but they grew up with their parents' memories. And those memories are theirs and become, they have a div- like a deep, deep personal relationship with those memories, um, even though there's generational dis- distance. And so that's basically the essence of transgenerational mm-hmm. trauma. And right. we see that right happening right now with the fear that a lot of people do feel about the growing anti-Semitism, just mm-hmm. the trauma of that. There is a fear of like, where will I hide? And even in the second mouse, um, he explains that art explains that he's has nightmares of not knowing where to hide of having to run out of school when he's in elementary school and go somewhere to hide just because he carries that. And I, I think if anything, this book should help us build sympathy for yep. other people. Mm-hmm. We don't know what things they're carrying and what fears they have that if they have inherited because yeah, I don't have that fear. I've never experienced that. I'm not Jewish. I'm also not Muslim. I am not of a minority group in our country. And so I cannot imagine. But it, it should, at, at the least, build some sort mm-hmm. of sympathy to say, even though you're not a Holocaust survivor, I know it's in your family. And I know that you carry that. And that is a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, because it is part of them, just like the gumbo. I'm so yeah. excited about that. I'm going to make that. it. I'm going to find <laughs> it on your website and make it. Yeah. 
it's there. Tag you in pictures. Good. This reminds me of our conversation that we had on the Giver um, yeah. about the importance of telling family stories, um, and how children can learn resilience from those. Like, mm-hmm. like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't have any living grandparents left, um, and I come from a culture that did not talk about things. Um, so I, I imagine like. This is probably me reading a lot into intergenerational trauma, but the fact that like Vladik was so old and like so many Holocaust survivors lived to such old ages, I think it is because they talked about it. Um, they talked about it, they shared their trauma, they shared their suffering, and they suffered together as a community. Whereas my family went through the Cultural Revolution, did not talk about it. My last grandparent died when I was, when she was 85. I don't remember how old I was. I think I had just graduated college. So this is, oh, how old am I? Oh my gosh, we're like 10 years. I'm, I'm like 10 years from graduating college. Yeah. <laughs> Holy cow. So 10 <laughs> years ago, like a decade ago, I lost my last grandparent. And um, imagine like, I wonder if people would have survived if we talked about it. I, I like. I wonder if my grandparents would be would still be alive today if we talked about it. Um, and I very much feel like at the end of Mouse One, um, Vladik admits to throwing away Ma- or not Mala Anya's Anya. Anya's journals diaries, yeah, diaries. And Art calls him a murderer. He's like, "You murdered my mother. Like the the memories of my mother, you threw them away as if they were just trash." Mm -hmm. Um, and like, I, I feel a little bit of that having obvious, well, some language barrier with my, with my grandparents. And also, um, two of them had passed before I was able to talk to them (laughs) really, but I feel like there is like, if, if my family history was a puzzle, there are missing pieces. You know, they're just yeah. like aspects of my family history that I will never know because I never had that relationship with my grandparents. And that's like what I feel compelled to do after reading Mouse is like what you did, Amy, of just like calling up my parents and be like, so <laughs> tell, tell me some me stories. About, yeah, just tell me mm-hmm. some stories. And that's a yeah. that's a beautiful thing for art to inspire kids. Mm-hmm. to want to talk to their parents and grandparents and to hear those stories because there will come a time where they won't be around anymore. And I, I was very angry when I saw that he had gotten rid of those journals. Um, mm-hmm. Like I felt it. I, I, I felt Art's anger, but mm-hmm. I also kind of understood Vladik too. Those memories were painful for him. You mm-hmm. know, he loved her so much that those memories were painful. So it's it's like both sides. But I do think, Eden, that you're absolutely right, that talking about things and sharing your trauma with other people, it's therapeutic. And, you know, therapy isn't just for your emotional state. It does impact your health. You know, if you're yeah. under a lot of trauma or stress and don't have an emotional outlook for it. So I think 100% you know, those Holocaust survivors and people that have gone through trauma that take that and then they share it with other people, you know, it helps make it easier. So my novel that comes out in May is about teen pregnancy and domestic abuse. And Mm -hmm. it's inspired by a real lived experience I had when I was 17. And I've had, after writing it, it's been, I've been writing this book a long time. I've had people, beta readers and stuff come to me and be like, are you okay? (laughs) after after reading it I'm like yes I'm fine they're like well all of that stuff on your book that happened I'm like but that was 35 years ago Mm -hmm. it's a lot of of time has passed between now and and I've shared it with a lot of people (laughs) and Mm -hmm. you know writing it too writing things and I'm sure this book was so therapeutic for art you know because then it's kind of like it's out there and it's done you know because then you've shared it with the world it's no longer your burden to bury alone yes Mm -hmm. And it's in those little boxes, like you said. He was able to finally boxes. put them there, so he didn't. It didn't just sit inside of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that analogy that when he talked about putting them 
in those yeah. boxes. Yeah, okay. mm-hmm. that's put away, that's put away, that's put away. Yeah. It's all done. Yeah. Like it's still going to be part of him for the rest of his life. It's, it's mm-hmm. obviously still going to be something that he's going to have to work through consi- consistently, but it's no longer, it, from what he said, it seems like it's no longer haunting him the way it mm-hmm. did. You know, it's in a controlled space. He, he, he's more than just that now. Well, and I urge your listeners to Google him and listen to some of his <laughs> interviews. He's a fascinating person to, to listen to. Mm-hmm. He seems like someone that you can tell is on their journey to healing. And that's a gratifying mm-hmm. book. <laughs> because, uh-huh. yeah, because it, it should inspire us all to get onto that journey too. And whatever that might look like, but it seems like it's someone who is trying to sort it out. <laughs> I yeah. mean, there's no easy tie up in the end. Even the second book just is basically the last image, but it's just the two gravestones of his father's headstone and his mother's headstone. That's the last image. And we know his dad eventually died. It mm-hmm. mm-hmm. doesn't have to be. Yeah. But that's not like it. That, it wasn't just like a nice little tie up of like the story that didn't just finish the story for me, but it was just like, okay, that, that's how, that's, that's where we are. And we just keep moving forward and people pass well, on, but we have to keep moving forward. And it's almost like that is the end of his dad's mm-hmm. physical existence. But fortunately, Art did what he did and his father will live on for all of eternity through, through this book. Yeah. So, and, and one of the things when I think about banned books, and I'm not saying it's a good thing at all this is happening because it's not, but I think those of us that then are curious, what are oh, we doing? Yeah. We're buying them like crazy yes. and reading them. And we are elevating yes. these stories to yes. show that we care and we're doing our part. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's so true. I would mm-hmm. never have read them without this podcast. Yeah, uh, this is my first time reading them as well. Yeah. And we like to say, like, Eden and I have talked about this. I think, like, the simplest form of activism is just to read a banned book. It's yep. the simplest thing, mm-hmm. but it will change you and make you a better person. It will, it'll increase your empathy so that you can be a, more of a force in the world around you. And mm-hmm. it is, it's the easiest way of becoming... <laughs> Of just mm-hmm. becoming the person you want to be is just read a band book. Read one band book with compassion. That's it. Yeah. Well, and you're also supporting those authors that yes, which I value very much. I buy so many books. Everybody I know that writes a book, I buy it. I just, <laughs> just, 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 I want to support yeah. them. I yeah. want to support them because being a creative and putting your story out there, it's yeah. vulnerable. And then oh. to end up on a list like your story doesn't matter. Or it's like your bad. story should be erased. Right. Evil. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What you've created from your soul is evil. And what you've experienced <laughs> in your life is evil. That's all. Like, that is where it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like the, uh, the banning of memoirs is fascinating to me. Because, <laughs> like, because it, 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 I feel like it mirrors the end of book one of just like, Oh, you murderer. Like <laughs> you you are erasing this person's existence from mm-hmm. well, you're trying to erase them from eternity and that is just wild to me. Well, and that's what Dave Peltzer's book was was a memoir that mm. the child called it and those things really did happen and and just like in and yeah. Art's book and I want to read about people that suffer and come out on the other side and mm-hmm. triumph over that. They're they're okay. They're yes, okay. Yes, they yes. made it. They yeah. you know I can and and you just really respect them so much yeah. for seeing how bad things were and that they did it. They're okay. Yeah, yeah it's I mean, the stories of resilience. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We inherit trauma, but we also inherit the resilience of our ancestors. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just have loved this conversation so much. I don't want to, we don't want to take too much of your time, Amy, but what other thoughts do you have? Like, are there any things that you, that you feel like we've got to bring up? Not really. I'm just really grateful for the both of you. And I'm super grateful for Art Spiegelman for writing this book and allowing us the privilege of reading his family's story. It was an absolute honor. Me too. Wow. You're making yeah. me want to cry. I don't know why. I just think... <laughs> It feels like holy ground to be able to talk about 
mm-hmm. yeah, the suffering and the fact that we can get through it and the fact that we're all trying to do something to mm-hmm. keep these stories. Stories are living and they're very important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. More compassion, everybody. More compassion. More compassion. Yeah. Humanitarianism. <laughs> More humanitarianism. Everybody no. deserves to be on this planet. Yes. Nobody deserves. deserves it more than anyone else. No. No. And as we continue to see all these different disasters throughout the world and horrors and genocides, um, I'm going to start looking for books by authors from all these different regions that we can make a list of. But, um, cool. but yeah, if you, anyone, if any of our listeners have ideas of how to help all sides, all the people, that's what mm-hmm. we'd like to do. Yeah. yeah. And listeners, if any of you are authors, I'm an associate literary agent with the Purcell Agency, and I want your stories. I want your stories of marginalized populations and I and identities that I don't identify with. And I'm looking for LGBTQ representation, neurodivergent representation, um, BIPOC representation. I, I want to hear your stories. Those are the stories that I want to read and that I want to work on. So the next Art Spiegelman can query me. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to ask how people can reach out to you, Amy. Sure. Well, my website is www.amynielsen.com. And I am also at the Purcell Agency. Right now, I'm currently closed for queries, but I'll be opening up back again in January, February. And you can find my manuscript wish list on manuscript wish list, kind of to see what I'm looking for. Okay, cool. If your book, if your book would be banned in Florida, I want it. (laughs) That's a great pitch. That's my tagline. That's a good call out. Oh my gosh. Um, I don't have anything else to say. This was a great conversation. Thank you so so much for having me. Oh, Amy, anytime, anytime you want to be back, you were so edifying. Seriously, I feel so filled. Like my cup is so full. I was so excited for this to have a conversation with the two of you. And so I would love to read another book and have another conversation. Yeah, please do. Yes, I would love that. Thank you so much. Okay, I'm going to leave this chat. Burn This Book is produced by us, Nicola Corin and Eden Wen. Music by myself, Nicole, and performed by my dad, Frank.